welcome to Collisions YYC, Follow the Money, Investing with Purpose. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes at a startup? How they get it going, how they get the funding, all the time and energy that it takes to get there? Well, you know what? So have I. So I'm very excited to, to, to reach out to my guest today, Mr. Al Karim Kimji, to have exactly this conversation. How are you, sir? Great. Thanks for having us uh, on today. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Let's. I always like to set the stage. The who is Al Kareem? You are the CEO and co-founder at Propera. So yes. I'll be blunt. What's a Propera? <laughs> What's a Propera? Um, so Propera is a management, um, a property management software solution. So we want to be Canada's modern residential property management software. We don't want to run the business. We want to help property managers and owner operators of residential properties, be it apartments, condos, single family homes, secondary suites, run their business better. We know that their business is demanding, it's low margin, labor intensive, tons of manual processes, and we wanna help them just make their lives easier, run their business better. We think about not only the, the property manager's experience, but also the tenant experience. How do we marry those things with modern technology? So curious, is this, would this call into the book? So this is a platform play. You are, you are the, the, now the intermediate between what was a very old school paper, text, phone message. So is this, would you call this a digital transformation project or is this a modernization? Like, are you doing it differently or are you now just bringing modern technology to amplify what was an old style of interaction that was, as you mentioned, incredibly inefficient? Yeah, I think we're doing it differently. Our approach is not to say there aren't great softwares out there. Um, there are other folks we've spoken to of even just this week who are using paper Excel to manage their business, which means you, you're building your own processes. Our approach is we're looking at business processes and thinking about how do we use modern technology to simplify that. So think about your relationship with, uh, you know, a food delivery app, Uber Eats, Skip the Dishes, mm -hmm. even something like Canada Post, your packages, your mail you know where your pizza or your package is. You may not be able to accelerate how quickly it comes to your door, but you know where it is. And that transparency gives you peace of mind, right? And how do we do these things? Or one of the features that we've developed is as soon as a uh, maintenance um, appointment is scheduled, a tenant gets an immediate calendar invite. This reduces the risk of them missing the appointment, right? And so oftentimes you're like, oh, it's today, or the maintenance person's knocking on the door and then they're wasting time and someone else's problem isn't getting solved. And so how do we just use tools to make life easier? I love the personalization in the world we live in. And like you said, it doesn't, I love what you said there. It doesn't speed it up, but just the, 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 the state of knowing when my pizza is coming, not when is my yeah. pizza coming or yeah. if my pizza is yeah. coming or what the hell happened to my pizza. <laughs> Let's just carry that. Yeah. And I, I'm there. Yeah, I'm exactly. now frustrated. So the finally it shows up versus if you tell me it's going to be 40 minutes, at least I know it's going to be 40 minutes. And I do appreciate though exactly. how we're starting to, you know, never underestimate who your competition is, right? When your pro when your competition is an Amazon or an Uber Eats or a Skip the Dish that has oh streamlined yes. something, don't expect for a second that that customer is not going to demand that same kind of experience with you, the landlord, or you, the you know, fill in the blanks when it comes to service on the other side. As me, as a customer Absolutely. who is not getting less self centered, not getting less demanding, but I've also seen how good it can be. So I want that everywhere. I'm not going to say, oh, but you're a smaller company, so I'm going to let you off with a bad customer experience. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> I am not. How long have you guys been around? What's your, what's your, give me a little bit of the timeline here. So we, um, Craig and I met in the fall of, uh, 2020, um, th uh, through a relationship through Harvest Builders. They brought us together and they had done some thinking in the white space, 
Um, I remember early December, Craig said, you know, I'm going to quit my job. We're going to do this thing. And I remember thinking, are we doing this thing? Um, and we incorporated in January and it's just been a, a very, very fast. So you, you guys are only, you guys are one, since. you guys are one year. So that's January, 2021. We're one year old. Oh, wow. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, sorry. I thought there was a little bit more runway behind it. That's interesting. So you are, no, no, <laughs> like I, sorry, I, I didn't, shouldn't do this. no, no, I didn't, that came, that came out wrong. <laughs> Um, I appreciate where you're, I've, oh wow, back up, erase that, delete that from the episode. Um, no, looking at your platform, it feels that you guys have been at this for longer. So it, that's a compliment that didn't uh, sound you. like one to be thank super you. clear. No, no. So Very curious, nice. you decided to, to get this idea off the ground. It's a year ago. Did you bootstrap this? Is this coming out of your own pocket? Did yeah. you have, you know, friends and family? Like really want to talk about also great, giving great our audience sure. an idea yeah. of like, wow, okay, you guys got together, you had an idea. You you went yes. you went quote unquote all in on January 2021 yeah. and the world yeah, is upside yeah. down and who knows what but also the opportunity to disrupt and change things is like really an interesting sweet spot a year in from COVID because nothing yeah. nothing's off the table of how we can do it better now right <laughs> well I remember even one of my first meetings with Craig like I met Craig several times in person but you know he was wearing a mask and I didn't know what he actually looked like and I'm joking right like obviously we met on no, that's a whole other podcast um, about who did you think look differently than they look we'll talk about that another day Ooh, they're actually taller yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah no, no that's a whole other so, episode around the mask thing are they better or less so, good looking what's happening do yeah you, do you have a chin or do you not anyways that's I've had this silly yeah. conversation many times oh that was just a shadow yeah um yeah so um Okay, so actually coming back to the original question, um, and, I'll, and I'll talk about funding and, and how we've done this together, but since that time, since, since January of, of 20, uh, 21, sorry, um, we had our first product in market in May, so in our fourth month. We had our first customer in June and revenue in June in our fifth month. And so we have just gone on a very, very accelerated journey. And, and, and the way I think we've done this is, is really through a couple key features, right? One is... And I'll answer your, uh, your first question in a second, but I just I want to share these two thoughts while they're fresh. Uh, one is uh, well, there's always three. So one is um, excellent team, right? I think we've been trying to curate a great culture, bring in the right people. I think about you know in our in my consulting days, you know we talk about like an air, airport test, which is you know let's say the flight's at seven a.m. We're in a tiny airport. Can I last with you till midnight if our flight continues to get delayed? And will I want to sit with you and talk to you, right? Yeah. Will I want to go through the trenches with you? So I think it's about really great people. I think the relationship that Craig and I have is excellent. Thank God, right? Like, and I and we we are grateful to each other and we articulate it because um, you're in the trenches with that person. They are your peer. They're the person that you work with. They're the person you go to. And so I think having that. And I think the last thing is just is the family support. Um, my wife. Craig's wife, Karen, amazing. Um, just to have that around us, to have that support. And I think there's also just a groundswell, which let's get to later on, which is a kind of a groundswell of just tech activity in, in Alberta, which is also very helpful. To answer your question about um, how did we do it? Sorry, I'm just going to keep on going. No, go. You're on it. it was, this, is, this, is the convers was, this is the exact conversation we're having. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. So the, the two things were um, Craig and I, you know, we can ask people for money without an idea, but... But the pre-idea, pre-revenue is actually a very uncomfortable space because you're then trading on your name. But I think what was better about that is what we did is we chose to self-fund. So we bootstrapped it for the first nine, 10 months. Okay. And that created a mechanism where we were able to 
one, feel a sense of urgency, right? So you kind of go all in, you're asking yourself tough questions about, is this a today problem or a tomorrow problem or a next year problem? And also thinking about who are the people that we need and how do we listen to our customers? So you really learn to also trust your partner in this, in this business because Craig was developing technology and I was focusing on learning and listening to the market and understanding, are we developing, what do we need, right? Because there's only three rules in, in, this, in this game, especially at this stage. It's listen to your customer, listen to your customer, and also, you know, listen to your customer. <laughs> Did you, even that, that process, was that boots on the ground, you knocking on doors, going to offices, having conversations? Did you use technology? Because a lot of times companies feel overwhelmed, like, oh, geez, you know, focus groups and how do I do that? And then I talk to yeah. other startups and they're like, no, 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 you go out there and you knock on doors and you talk to people as much as you can. How was that, how was that for you? Because it, it is so super critical. So it was... It was virtually knocking on doors, right? Okay. It was calling and emailing because okay. we couldn't, it was COVID. Of course. Right? So yeah. we were in the thick of COVID. You know, we didn't actually sit in person until June. So we were we were past our July actually. So we, were, we had actually earned our first revenue and then we were in the office. Um, and so that added a layer of complexity because even for some of our team members, we, I would never see them. I. Like I said, I didn't know how tall someone was. Um, and and the, one of our guys, like one of our team members, you know, he looks quite built. Um, and so then I, I, and I met him and I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, like it's it's just not what you imagine, right? Like, um, and I'm not saying he was a tiny guy. What I'm saying is just, it's, it's a whole different experience it when is. you see a, is. this much of a person. We're, we're, um, I'm curious, were, were people I, more available, like, I found certainly, and this is my own anecdotal and not the same, but through the podcast, people are like, oh, how did you get so many podcasts done during COVID? I'm like, everyone was available and they kind of wanted to chat. So I'm curious if like that electronic door knocking, there was actually a little bit of an advantage because people were a little cooped up that you could actually, because the, the electronic door can be traditionally very hard to open. But during COVID, I found it wasn't. I slightly found that there was a shift and the people I wanted to talk to, they wanted to talk to someone too, especially someone who was asking them what they felt about things. <laughs> I, yeah, yes, yes. And very much, I think what happened in our industry is that property managers, owner operators started seeing how their business was changing mm. and how their business has been changing and being unable to physically go somewhere then pushes your focus to the office, to your processes. And they started to realize, hey, this isn't working. I've been looking past this, but this could be the time when I address that problem. When I say, okay. hey, this isn't actually the most effective way of managing my business. Maybe there's a better way. Right? Which, which they probably knew at their soul for a long time. But when you're too busy, changing a system when you're busy, like the day you go, you know, we're going to use a new email platform today. Everybody shudders because man, I have so much to do and I have to learn to use a new system. Like, are you crazy? Oh, yeah. But you know, I yeah. do appreciate the pause that was forced upon us and the Oh wow! Okay, I can't overlook this now inefficient way of way of doing things. So I I really appreciate you know how much opportunity and I choose to find silver linings everywhere I can. It feels like very much the sweet spot of what COVID created allowed you guys to come in and maybe get get a foothold or get your fingernails into the problem maybe easier than you would have if when people didn't have time to even chat with you. Yeah, and I think also what was what was very interesting for me personally was how open people were to the idea of what we were doing. So I think um, there was, a, we, I think we all adapted. You know, in the beginning, I remember I would do a couple Zoom calls and I'd be exhausted. And now I can kind of do a whole day and I love it because I'm, I'm enjoying this mechanism. 
but what was what was most fascinating to me was how people would become more and more open as this went on. And so you were able to build a relationship over over Zoom or over some sort of you know digital medium, right. um, and it was a great conversation, right? Um, which I remember in the beginning was actually very hard. And so everyone was learning this thing. Um, and I think that helped us from a software perspective in terms of people actually sharing their real problems and then being willing to take the leap in terms of understanding how technology is changing the way everything is happening. Because we saw it in that moment. And what we said is, you know, think about how this is happening in our lives. Could we do this to your business? Could we help you change the way your model is working? So as you grow, maybe you don't need to add more people. Or maybe everyone's to-do list, they actually get to the you know, important instead of just the urgent. urgent. Uh, that's a really good point. So you went to, you had, a, you know, is it safe to say by May was your MVP? You had something spun up, stood up that client- May was MVP. MVP, yeah. June yeah. was first customer. And maybe this first is not an exact also. formula, but how much- where was where was product market fit versus reality? Like you spun it up, you had a couple of customers in, you'd had a lot of really good conversations. Did you get it? And I know this is a weird question. How right did you get it versus how much has it even pivoted since? At the speed you're going, I guess if we yeah. take if we take last May last June to now, it's like two, three years of normal time for you guys of ten months. Oh, how much has absolutely. it pivoted? How much has that MVP evolved? Or did you kind of did you capture the essence of the customer problem first first time out? So, no. Okay. I, did. No. I, was, I was setting that question up in a weird way. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. Did you, na did you nail it? Did you na no, Tyler, did we didn't nail it. Nail it. No. no. But I think that's How? a good reality to say, hey, we, we nailed it enough to get that first customer so then we could really start learning what they like and don't like. Exactly. Yeah. So what we realized is we nailed enough to get the first customer. We nailed enough to get a couple others. And we started getting interest. What we were able to do is... There's a difference when you're doing market research, asking about feedback of a product. Hey, does this work for you? Would you would you buy this? What are the problems? If we solve this, would you be interested? It's different from when you say, hey, we have this. Will you buy it? And that was an interesting point because the research that we had done and the extensive research that we had done identified problems. You know, the maintenance process of like a non-emergent problem of you know my bathroom light my closet doors and closing the burner on my stove isn't working is a very complex process it is a very important piece of the puzzle and it creates tons of friction right so is that the right place to start absolutely but as we went on we learned that there are other features that would unlock the market because of how companies use those features and so it was there's an interesting point for us where it was market research to validate an idea and then further research to then get people to buy the product. Would you buy it? Would you buy it? it? Very interesting. New would you buy it? And yeah. will you buy it right now? Are two different questions. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's exactly. A, I appreciate that. right. Or do you think this is valuable? Right. And when you know when you when you put your money with your mouth is, and this is not about our customers. This is about our journey. Mm -hmm. Which is, I think we've been very lucky because we've had a lot of people who even though they don't need what we need or what we're doing or they're maybe you know one month into a one-year software agreement, they're still willing to chat with us. And I think that's something special about Calgary, Alberta, Canada, as we talk about a Canada-first um, solution. That willingness of people to even have the conversation. And I do love that. And I, I'm a firm believer, and I've always stated into my own customers in, in marketing, 
go with something concrete because even if someone doesn't need it, the fact that you're like, this is what we're trying to do and the problem we're trying to solve, if it's vague and wishy-washy, they're, they can't, you're not giving them the ability to even help you if they wanted to. But if you're like, this is what we do, like, wow, I don't need that, but I know someone who does. Or, hey, you know, I'd love to give you my point of view on that. But you have to give them an opportunity to participate of like taking a stand for something of this is the problem we're trying to solve. What do you like? What's your relationship to this problem? Give them a chance to engage. Exactly. People are incredibly helpful. We underestimate that. Some, I think consistently oh that gets underestimated. And, and I think I also learned about how to engage. Right. So go in, ask them, give them something in advance. Three things. Right. Give them something in advance. At the end of the call, don't just say, hey, who can you introduce me to? Say can you introduce me to one or two people who you think may be interested or that I should talk to? One or two people is very different than, than who could you introduce me to? Because who could you introduce me to? It could be like 300 people. And that, doesn't, and that feels overwhelming, and so it doesn't happen. And then I think the last thing is the follow-up, right? Hey, you gave us this feedback um, one month ago. First of all, immediately after, thank you. But a month ago, you gave us this feedback. We heard that feedback. This is what we've done about it. Here's a screenshot would love to hop on a follow-up call. Do you have five minutes? It's never five minutes, it's more like 15. Um, but people love it because they're part of the journey, they start to buy in, and now they want to participate or they're, they're like these ambassadors, these cheerleaders of what we're doing. Um, directly and indirectly. I, and I do believe, and I am biased, that that is one of our superpowers in Western Canada, that phenomenon. And do, it happens other places, so I, I'm not trying to say it doesn't. I just think it happens here really, really well <laughs> and really, really efficiently. And there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lift each other up. I've always believed that Western Canada had more of an, an abundance versus scarcity mindset. And I think that contributes to a, to a lot of this of like, hey, let's be successful together, not like if you're successful, then somehow I'm not. Which again, this is, let's not get too philosophical on the episode, but that's such a huge factor. <laughs> so okay, It's a risk. Okay, but- yeah. Oh, All we'll, right, we'll we're, we're nine or 10 months in. We've been self-funding <laughs> okay. up to this point, and now it's time to transition to a different model. This, we've, we're, we've got some yeah. proof. We've got some customers. We've got an MVP. Things are working. Your, your yeah. story to an investor now, like you said, is giving you a little bit more of a, of a platform of confidence to come from. Talk to us about that first, was that a friends and family round? And, and let's be, try to be specific with terms because I think that's one of the things sure. I'm trying to work hard to give my audience of like, okay, when someone says friends and family or someone says angel, someone says pre-seed, what's actually the difference? And I think there's, there's, yes. there's some blurry lines out there right now. Mm-hmm. There are very blurry lines. So I'll actually talk to you about it from a revenue point of view okay, first, perfect. which is are you in an idea stage? So are you pre-revenue? Are you early revenue or have you actually achieved some material traction? Because that later stage when you've achieved traction, then you can start applying a multiple. In advance of that, it's a valuation cap. And that cap is not a valuation. It's reflective of, based on where we are, the progress that we've made, the understanding of the market, um, the product market fit that we've proven, and the team, and the advisors that we have to complement that team, we prove a certain valuation cap, right? So we've said, hey, we've done some work. This means that we're roughly worth this much, right? And that is also very interesting because there's an education of um, investors um, conversation because they're like, well, what's the valuation, right? If I speak to someone in real estate, they're like, well, you know, we use a cap rate. Um, you know, if I'm making, uh, I don't know, $50,000 in rent on a million dollar property, that's a five cap. I know what I'm doing, yeah. right? There, there, there's, a, in, there, there's a very clear formula to lay out. Mm. Exactly. And in prop tech, it, it doesn't work like that, 
right? In in real estate, it's on net, you know, on your NOI, you're not net operating income, but on in prop tech, it's on top line revenue. So there's a lot of investor education that goes on. And so what we found as we kicked off uh, what we did as a friends and family round, it was a mechanism, one, to get out there, to tell our story, to practice telling our story, and to have people that are supporters of us critically think about what we're doing because now we're asking them to make a financial commitment. Um, and so we introduced that um, in August. Um, we were fortunately oversubscribed. It was less, less friends and family and more folks in the tech industry and in real estate who were interested in what we were doing and wanting to support us. And so it actually worked out very well that, you know, you're always talking about like strategic investors, right? People who aren't just going to write you a, a check, but they're going to bring, you know, their their time and talent on top of their treasure, mm, right? Okay. And that is actually very special because with some of our investors, we do we do some we've, we've done like infrequent calls, but one was really thoughtful about our sales channel. The other one has done fifteen different introductions to, you know, medium and large scale property managers, owner operators that are interested in, in, in our software, but also just interested in providing us guidance and feedback because he is sharing his personal relationship. Um, and so that is ultra helpful. So if, um, if, and, I'm, and, if I'm a founder and, listening to that, what I'm hearing loud and clear is it's so much more than the treasure. Like, I love it. the time and talent on top of the treasure. I've not heard that. I like, I like your threes. I, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of the threes. And you, you're, you're disciplined on the threes. I like it. But on top of the treasure, what would you say to a startup founder that's listening and like someone's willing to like, yep, you've got two piles of money and one might have a little more time and talent and the other one is maybe even a slightly bigger pile of money. Would you still go with the time and talent? Um, I think it depends on what you want and what okay. talent and time they're going to give you. Right? Fair enough. Yeah, I I, everything needs to be assessed for it. Uh, just hearing yeah, so much value hidden inside that where the money is the money. That's kind of like you can look at it, you can compare it side by side, maybe some dilution, maybe some terms, but is it going to open more doors? Is it going to help you not step on certain landmines that are always out there for every startup? Absolutely. And I think what, what we realized was it's, you know, there, there were, there was, there were a couple investors that we had chatted with that we just realized it wasn't a good fit. And man, it is so hard to say it's not a good fit. Um, do you, do you say, do you say it, it's not you, it's me? Do you, do you, do you say that when you break up? <laughs> Cause this is like dating, right? They it know, is, it is, it's you. We're both happily married guys. So, but this is like dating as far as like business. Yeah. Uh, like when you say not the right fit, what were some of the, like, again, I want spe uh, as specific as you want to be. We're not naming, this isn't a name and names kind of episode, but what was it about the fit? Was it just the culture? Was it the vibe? Was it something, yeah, no, no, I, concrete. This is not right for our organization. What, what made you make yeah, that choice? I, I think, I think when I think about the scenarios and I'll share some of those scenarios to help make it more material, um, it, that fit took the form of, how we wanted to engage versus their level of engagement. Um, one of them, I remember, asked for like bi-week, bi-monthly calls. And, and I thought that was a, like, either you're, you're here operating with us or you're mm, okay. remote. Okay. And, and so I think that was interesting. I said, look, look, we could do every six weeks, but, but give us time to do stuff, right? Um, otherwise, then we're preparing for meetings, preparing for meetings, not... Yeah, doing yeah. the work, focusing on traction, building the product. So it's not to say I wouldn't wouldn't like that. And I st I do a bunch of conversations with a bunch of our investors constantly um, because they bring value in different ways. Or they'll reach out and say, hey, I have this great idea. Can we chat? 
And then we decide, is it a shiny object that's taking us off course? Or is that actually value add to the path mm -hmm. and plan that we're on? Or do we need to pivot our plan, which is also fine. Um, I think the other one is some investors are looking for more, um, uh, sorry, less risk. Let's put it this way, less risk. Okay. And so they are asking questions around what you would typically ask for at a later stage, you know, maybe a, a, at a series A or, okay. or beyond. Um, or their expectations of exit um, were overinflated. Okay. And so, you know, we, we, we told everyone this is that, you know, we appreciate your investment. We appreciate your trust in us. Let's assume this doesn't go anywhere, right? And are you okay with making this commitment? And that's a very interesting thing because a lot of people would lean forward and say, no one's asked me that when I've invested. Because when you say someone says, oh, I'm just giving you this money, you're like, cool, I'll take it. Um, but yeah, we yeah. pushed back and said, so let's just ask this question. Let me take off my proper hat and say, put on my friends and family hat or a member of, my, of this community, be it business community or just Calgary or Canada and say, can, is, are you okay with this risk? And then we would take the money. And so that was actually very interesting. And so there was, a, there was two situations where the person was like, well, I don't know. And we we're like, fine. Like, if you don't know and it's great, don't do it. Um, because it is a risky thing, right? And yes, we've had traction and yes, we've had progress. Um, and, you know, we've had a handful of very amazing wins and highs, but this is also, I don't know if it's a roller coaster. It feels more like a Ferris wheel, right? There's just like definitely ups and definitely downs. <laughs> Those moments where sometimes you feel like you're stuck at the top or stuck at the side or the bottom. <laughs> um, you yeah. said something I wanted to unpack a little bit. Um, Are the investors that you're encountering in this ecosystem here, which I know is young and it's evolving and all the buzzwords that get thrown around about what's happening in Western Canada. But you said someone looking for things that would be more appropriate to be asked for or expected at a series A or series B. And I've been chatting with a lot of different like investors and, 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 and investees around making sure you really have the right group at the right time. Cause like to hear someone coming in at a friends and family, but expecting, you know, series A or series B level, um, either just where you're at the stage of, of the business. Is that just a certain incident that happened? Or do you see that a little bit across the board in Western Canada as we're maturing and really understanding as each pillar starts to fill up a little bit more, will we see less moving around? Like someone coming who's, who's more comfortable with the Series A, investing in friends and family, that's a very different setup from everyone I've been chatting with. So what have you seen? Like, Because I understand and we won't get into too much details, but you're in the thick of a raise right now. Mm. So yeah, when you're talking you. with and people, are you getting the right people coming in in the in the right like square peg round hole kind of situation, or is it floating all around the all over the place? It's a lot of everything. So okay. I think specifically in Alberta, you know, I think in BC you see a lot of Silicon Valley influence. Um, I think in Alberta there is a focus on technology, but a lot of that money is from oil and gas, right? And so there's interest, but there's not clarity on how to get in. Right. Okay. And so though there is capital flowing, markets are frothy. Granted, what's happening in the world right now is is, is changing that. Um, I think there is something about the guidance needed to support and deploy capital. Right. Okay. And so I think as it matures in Alberta, this kind of investing matures in Alberta, we will see it. What we're seeing across Canada, though, is a lot of positive interest, but you still have to get in front of folks. And so I think this is where we are seeing the province and the city, you know, it's very encouraging to see the support 
their support helps de-risk opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went to an event the other day at, at Platform Calgary, mm-hmm. um, and it was a reverse investor pitch. Where, so investors were talking to an audience of, mm, of I've heard, Yeah, founders. I haven't been to one, but I've heard about that. That's, that's an interest. I love that. <laughs> just right, the, just the concept of flipping anything on his head, I'm already in, just with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's not the way to do it, you know. Like, like, I'm super interested. Let's check it out. <laughs> Yeah. And so it was, it was actually quite interesting because now you could see, you know, 10 different investors plus a bunch of other investors were in the audience. And it was, it was sort of an easy way to get in front of people because in some cases, you know, do you cold email someone? They're like, who are you? Maybe you can get an introduction, but it naturally takes some time. Um, how do you artificially create this relationship with someone who it feels transactional because you're asking them for money? And so that itself is very interesting and it takes a lot of time. And so we've spent a lot of time to build, you know, our story. So when we reach out to folks, we say, since our last raise, we have done these, you know, 10 things and we've tried to make them, you know, very interesting bullets, very honest bullets about what are the highs and lows of our, of our, of that last period. Um, And then coming in with something competitive, right? And you want to be thoughtful of like a down round, a risk. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, someone walked in with a box of Jolly Ranchers right now. Um, and, and so you're just thoughtful about how do we balance the many things that go on and the many needs and the competing needs. You know, with the, with the equity markets changing right now, I think that's going to negatively impact us because we'll see investors look at that opportunity, which may be a, a lower risk opportunity than our opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so you're, there's a lot of competing forces that are changing like month over month, especially in this month, which is a very interesting. Yeah, we're on a roller coaster. Just for anyone who's listening, we're recording this on, what is it, March uh, March 9th. I won't even begin to list all the factors that are at play right now, we all know. So this yeah. will come out in a few weeks and it could be a very different world even yet, yet again. Yeah, so, absolutely. So you guys are in a pre-seed or a seed round? Like what, where, are you, where are you guys right now? Pre-seed. And you're in a, you're, yeah, we're in a pre-seed you're, round. You're in a pre-seed. Yeah. And you define it as pre-seed because of? Great question. We de- define it as pre-seed because we are early revenue and we are looking at this round as a mechanism to extend our runway um, so that we can see the traction. We actually had to, going back to your original, one of your earlier questions was we had to adapt our product roadmap. When we listen to our customer, okay. their needs changed when you're asking them to actually pay for something. And that changed our product roadmap. We, we had to delay some of our plans and it's not to say that I'm disappointed or I feel bad about this. Actually, I'm very excited about the way we've approached this because now I feel like we have a really strong product. Mm-hmm. We've seen in the last couple of weeks a handful of customers sign up with us and lots of interest. So even just the number of meetings, sales meetings that we're having um, period over period has increased three or four times. And we're seeing a very positive uptick on even just open rates and reply rates. We're seeing better than benchmark in, in a handful of cases. Okay. And in some cases we're seeing like two or three times better than benchmark um, for something like cold calling or cold emailing or reply rates or open rates, which means we're doing something right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's being honest with the investors, I think, and saying, this is where we are. And if you want to come on this journey with us because of where we are, that's great. We've also spoken to some other folks who are typically don't invest that early, but we're building that relationship now. And so part of that is those who are seed in series A, we're getting in front of them now and saying, hey, let's just do 15 minutes. We'll tell you a bit of our story so, smart. so, so that you can come on the journey. And what's happened in that case, and, and I'm super grateful for this, is many of them have turned around and said, look, we love what you're doing. Please stay in touch. Also, 
you know, meet this person at this fund who invests at this stage now. Yeah, that's awesome. Let me make let me make this introduction for you. And that is a very positive signal. Um, Certainly what I'm hearing is we're on the very early stages of that becoming a lot more robust. Like how that is in other ecosystems when I talk to people, you know, from the Valley, you're from Kitchener, Waterloo, Toronto, <clears throat> where we are here, how much collaboration there is at those early stages. And hey, well, if you're going in for this much, well, then I'm going to go in for that. And like how that there is a there is a fairly seemingly strong team approach, especially in the early stages. Obviously, yeah. when you get up to bigger deals organizations want to take all of the pie where I've hearing that there's a lot more, well, geez, if you're going in for 200, I'll go in for another 50. And like those kind of conversations, a little bit of horse trading, exactly. which I think is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of follows, right? So there may be folks who follow others or, Hey, is this person in or, Hey, I spoke to this person about what you're doing. I think the other thing that we're seeing, and I mentioned this very briefly is that we're seeing um, sort of the merging of what's happening in the tech space compounded with what's happening in other industries about the tech space. So I think Colliers in Calgary had an article about how um, vacancy rates are improving because of tech growth in the city. We're seeing different programs, you know, even the Calgary mayor's office mandate supportive of the tech space, right? How do we, you know, track how many tech companies are in, in the province and the city? how many people are employed in this and setting goals for the future around this. It's very encouraging. We want to see this and we know it takes time to do this. Um, so it's encouraging to see that level of support. And then I think that creates a, a ripple effect where then investors who are learning more about this, hearing about it from different angles are more open to it, are more open to the ideas of early stage funding because in oil and gas, right? Like, you know, it's a, people see it in a very simple, like a very straightforward way and they're very familiar with it. Right. Pharaohs equals dollars. Right. And it just. And, and, and something that is ideally like or reality is quite high risk, but it's familiar. And I think that's a key word that you said, yes. like, you know, and tech, tech investing can be risky, but so is drilling a hole in the ground somewhere. But trust me, I'm pretty sure there's something here. Like that's a, that's yes. not, that's not an unrisky proposition. We've just done it for a long time that we're, that we're very, that the investors to your point are very comfortable with it. Yeah, Curious absolutely. question, talking about our ecosystem here, you've referenced you know, Western Canada, but also Canada a lot. With your pre-seed process, conversations locally, are you talking to people in Edmonton or are you talking to people in Toronto or are you talking to people in Vancouver or all of the above? Um, all of the above okay. and including the US. We've actually not actively pursued anyone in the US, but we've had funds reach out to us mm -hmm. um, directly and indirectly. And I think that's amazing and very flattering. It also... Reminds us that we're in a very competitive environment. So we're not just competing in Canada, but we're competing with startups around the world. Um, and so that's actually a very helpful reminder. Um, I also love the conversations where folks say, look, we're too early or we're not interested. And I love to explore that and say why um, and learn about fit and learn about what do they hear. Um, and it's great. I love the fact that folks are, are willing to come out very quickly and say this is not a, not a good fit. I think what we're seeing across um, across Canada is um, there is investor education and it's working. And you know what are the you know what are the right forums, right? I think it would be I think we're seeing more and more of, of coverage around this and awareness being built, be it through traditional media or LinkedIn or, or whatever. There you know people there's like a proliferation of information around this. I think. There's challenges still around, you know, getting more people, you know, naturally software developers are a very hard role to fill. How do we, you know, I know there's education <laughs> programming, but there's still a skill and experience gap of students. Um, and how do we utilize their talent, but 
there's a gap between a junior coming out of a software program. How do we shorten that skills gap, right? And so there's many things happening. Um, but how do we attract more more founders and businesses and encourage more people to do this? Um, what, in, to, in to build be it Canada or Calgary mm, or, or to build off that, and it's a question I usually ask at the end. But the, the magic wand question: If we could wave our magic wand and change something, and I like what you said, like how do we make this environment more conducive to bring more people here, or to encourage people? Yeah. We have very very smart people in this province in this city oh, to absolutely. encourage them to take this this step and this risk because entrepreneurship. I don't know, I'm not sure how old you are. We don't need to get into that. But when I was younger. If you said you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you got sent to some type of remedial special program, like an entrepreneur. Like what do you, you know? That's become very trendy in the last bunch of years but that was not yeah. like that 20 well whatever we don't get into specifics it wasn't that yeah. you, it was looked as like oh you can't make it in the real world so you're going to be an entrepreneur i really love that that's changed <laughs> but it's not to be taken lightly it is it is high risk it is a high risk situation what would you see in our province is it more incentives is it better programs is the government like cutting back red tape is there anything that pops up in your mind like how can we how can we make the runway how do we clear the runway and put the, run, the landing lights on sooner kind of thing hmm. Yeah, so I, I think the, the headline is acceleration of the maturity of the ecosystem, right? And I believe that as we do that and invest in this space, we all win together, right? Because we, we create jobs, um, we create options for students, um, but we also create options for folks who are in their career. I remember reading something or hearing something many years ago that, you, you know, now there's a shift from being in the same role for 40 years to having you know four to six careers in your lifetime or maybe more. Um, and so how do we create alternatives? How do we realize that people's lives change, their needs change, their interests change, right? And so how do we support? So I think there's the overall maturity of the space. It could come in the format of you know, the education skills gap, which I think we are bridging. Um, and also you know, bringing people in, I know there's a, um, an accelerated track for technical um, technical talent coming into Alberta. So exciting to see those things, encouraging. Naturally, we need more. Um, and let's understand what other provinces are doing, right? Um, I know in some provinces there are um, different kinds of investments coming in, different types of investment tax credits. Um, and I don't I don't know much about these things because. I live here in Alberta and I'm, I can't look at other provinces and say, hey, you know, I, we've got to focus with, on business, that, With all that spare time you have, that all those extra hours yeah. in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but how do we learn from others, right? And, and, and leverage that talent and knowledge so that we as a province can accelerate and grow. Um, and, I, I, and it's very encouraging to see things like our, our, um, our unemployment rates decline, things like that. But how do we contribute as a, as a, as a business, as a small business um, or as a sector? Any concerns, and you know, we, we've alluded to it off and on through this call, any concerns of a negative impact on this rapidly growing, emerging, great like tech ecosystem story that we've been able to tell over the last kind of, even since I started doing the podcast two and a half years ago, the stories, the, the volume, the people, but you know, we didn't have $130 a barrel of oil, like let's call it spade a spade. This, this city, this province, this part of the world has been notoriously bad at, oh yeah, we'll pivot, but geez, did you see the price of oil? Let's go back and focus on that. I've heard from a lot of people, way smarter than me, that there are some different factors at play right now. I heard you say that it's a concern. Any thought, this is a crystal ball question, I, I aware. So any any thoughts or your perspective on that as someone who's living and breathing this tech ecosystem that we're that we're driving to grow here in Western Canada? I, I think I think yes, there will be pressures on the system, right? The price of oil. Um, you know, even just like migration in another province mm -hmm. um, is changing. I, I, I don't know if we can control that. I think yeah, <laughs> what we can do is create an openness and a transparency to say, 
hey, this is what tech looks like. This is how, you know, if you're interested in being a software developer, go for it. But there are other roles as well that could be a really good fit for you to participate in this in this space. Um, and I think, I, you know, I, I think that economic diversification, all these things are, are meaningful. Um, and I think it's just an openness to, to learn about it. You don't have to participate either, right? Um, you know, if you have a great role in an oil and gas shop, that's awesome, right? Um, continue to pursue that if that gives you, brings you joy, right? Um, but I think it's about the openness and having conversations about what's going on, right? So I love that, you know, there's this beautiful space in Calgary um, and what's happening in these villages is actually very interesting, um, separate conversation. Um, but, but Platform Calgary, amazing space, right? Um, thoughtful investment, um, you know, and how do we use that as a mechanism to create awareness of what's, what's happening in the city and the province um, around tech? And I, you know, a few years ago, Platform Calgary was an idea, was a, you know, I had Terry Rock, I think he was one of my first like 10 guests of what he was going to do. And I recently had him on last fall in the space and they, well, and here's what we were going to do and here's what we've done. And there were some fantastic mm -hmm. things moving in a direction that I also think do a really good job of making Calgary look a little bit different from people come and visit that whole sector, just the library and platform Calgary together. You're like, there's a moment where you might be like, I feel like I'm in a different city and that's a compliment. <laughs> and, and, and if you look that we were, I was in a, I was visiting a, a customer the other day. They were like, let me show you some of our new suites. And I looked over the East village and I saw a platform. I saw the, the music, so the, the bell studio, oh, of course, the music center, um, yeah. national music center. Yeah. Oops, sorry. I should know that. And I saw, um, I saw the library and I was like, wow, like this is like a new age city. Um, where are we? Right? Like I thought I was in a movie for a second when I saw those three buildings, right? That's awesome. Um, I just had Alex Cesarian on from Arts Commons, CEO of Arts Commons, and yes. kind of got him to share the vision and like his goal of coming in to steward. It's not his vision, but to steward that vision. And he said, as someone coming yeah. in from the Lincoln Center for Performing Arts in New York, he's like, when I went to the library, I got it. I was like, oh, this is the Calgary that yeah. we're building. This is where we're headed. This is the diversification. This is the intermingling of cultures. And it was interesting to hear it, like literally someone who moved here in the first month of COVID <laughs> to get his perspective oh, and then wow. hear what they're doing wow. with Arts Commons. Because that tells a good story for all that talent acquisition you're talking about. Exactly. And then layer on what they're doing at um, the Glenbow, right? The new design yes. of the Glenbow. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we heard there was a major uh, uh, sort of Philanthropic, philanthropic contribution for mm -hmm. I think it's for free access. Yeah, for, um, forever. That is very for, for, forever. 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 <laughs> right. Which like is that amazing. is very special. Right. Um, because I know you know when you run a museum, it's it's comp. Well, I've done some work for for a museum. It's it is complex work, and you're always worried about how do you fund it. But if you have someone who's willing to commit to it, and then it's going to look beautiful outside as well. Um, it just it's a natural draw. Right. And then that changes how the museum engages, how the people engage, because they're focused on something else. Anyways, another conversation for another day. But it's a great tie-in, <laughs> and, uh, and I'll, I'll bring that back. For you, How what, what's our timeline here? You're in pre-seed right now. You're right in the thick of it. So we've kind of stayed out of yeah. the details of it. We might have a follow-up episode, the where the where, the where where are they now episode. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. What's, the, what, what's, the sure. what's the timeline for getting this closed? And how much time, if your week is 100% of 100%, what's, how much percentage of your time is this taking up? Yeah, I would say like 150%. 150. Um, look, Tyler, I need I need different metrics. You're not giving yeah. me enough room to move. 100% is still confusing to me because yeah. I've never worked 100% because I've, I actually grew up in a, a very entrepreneurial family. Yeah. And so for me, you know, the week, 
is very fluid. Yes. I don't know. I guess out of your available a, time that isn't dedicated to your family and your cute little dog time, and all those things, yeah. how much is yeah, spent oh yeah, on the uh, spent on the raise? Um, a lot of time. And it's a lot of time because you want to be thoughtful about who you're interacting with, why you're talking to them, getting the thoughtful introduction, um, and thinking about what does their portfolio look like? Do they have competing assets, which could be a conflict? Um, maybe there's a strategic value in either what other elements of their, their company does, or maybe they have portfolio companies that could be a collaboration point. You want to go in and do all that work, right? And then you want to schedule calls. And it's not just one call, right? It's one, two, three calls sometimes. Um, and so we're looking at continuing this for the next, hopefully, four to six weeks. Um, we've already had some very positive interest, which um, ultra grateful for. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. And once can't wait to do that next update. Absolutely, me too. And once that money is in, back to back to your museum comment about well, geez, okay, we're funded now. We man, the things we can do now that we don't have to worry about that. Is that a type of accelerant? Like that day that you're like, okay, it's six weeks. The round is closed. The money is in the bank. Wow, like all that time now that I've dedicated over here is now moving back to meeting the roadmap that we have now laid out for our investors and doing the things we said we're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's. Um, and this, the investor workshop doesn't ever stop, right? Like you want to stay in touch with folks. You want to build relationships. And I, I want to share a couple of learnings about in, investor learnings of the last little period as well Please. that I've, I've spent some time formulating. Um, but as soon as, as soon as we wrap this round, it's, it's back to traction, which is sales um, and, um, and product, right? Like those are the two priorities, right? Naturally, there are other things that we get involved with, um, but those are our two priorities and naturally team. Right, bringing on the right folks, building the right culture, and helping people come together because, you know, we try to operate in the office, but we're also a bit hybrid. Of We've course. got. And the world of technology, I have a lot of friends who worked in tech. They're like, well, work remote. You mean what we've been doing for 10 years? Like, come on. <laughs> so that, yeah, that is an yeah. industry that's very that. used to. No, it's not at yeah. all. They kind of laugh. Like, okay, well, yeah. well thanks yeah. for catching up the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think going back to your, your, your where are we now in this, in this round, look, very positive results so far. We're in discussions with our current investors. We've been getting out to early stage angels seed seed sort of groups early you know pre-seed groups lots of lesson learned around the way which i want to share are three obviously of course um, of course please know thank me. you um uh number one is i think there is this delicate dance and i sort of mentioned it about our past experiences but you know you want to be raising raising money is both an art and a science um and it's worth spending time understanding motivations and the strategies of these firms the strategic value that they'll bring the kind of research that you need to do and really going in thoughtful to the conversation because you are getting into some sort of marriage with them, right? Um, and so you want to be thoughtful about that. I think the next one, which I shared earlier, which is um, the level of engagement, right? So it's that time treasure talent question is what is the mix of those three things? Um, and some folks will just write the check and they'll leave you alone. And that's perfect. And in other cases, um, they, you know, they want to be involved and, and it's about what works for both of you, not just what works for the investor. And I think it's hard to be, I don't want to say pushy, but thoughtful about how do you say no? How do you say yes? When do you say no? When do you say yes? And this is the value of having people in your corner who you can chat with, be it your co-founder or your partner. It all starts by being clear um, what you need and what you don't want, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So number one was delicate dance. Number two is level of engagement. And number three is... Um, 
I think it changes the conversation when you talk about your future potential and you say something like, and here is how we will get to the next round. And you talk very explicitly about the two or three, three things that you're going to do um, with that money to get to the next round and what you see that looking like, because now you're thinking ahead and you're not myopic in your timeline, but you're very forward thinking. And I think that's part of the thoughtfulness that investors need to then feel confidence in what you're doing. Well, the argument is they're not actually investing in you today. They're investing in the future you. <laughs> they're investing in helping you become yes. the future you and not forgetting that. <laughs> so I, I think, I, so yeah, I would, I would adapt okay. that a little, Please. which is they're investing in, in me today and the team today and the company and what it could be tomorrow. Oh, I like that. The future okay. company. Nice. Okay, I appreciate because that. I've had people flat out say, I'm investing in you or I'm investing in you and Craig or I'm investing in you and Craig and the team. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of social capital that you use um, in this early stage to bring that together. And it's, it, I think it's a thoughtfulness very specifically about who you are as founders, co-founders, who is your team, and the thoughtfulness that you've done in terms of even maybe a formal skills matrix to say, what skills don't we have or what network don't we have and how are we complementing that with advisors? Mm. That's very hard um, because you have to be very introspective and say, look, I'm not really good at this. Who can do this better than me? And then go and find that person and then get them to help you. The old joke, it's hard to see the label when you're inside the bottle. And we are firmly in all of our own bottles. <laughs> yeah. Look, and, and, and sometimes I find also with startups is, you know, you've heard this, heard this phrase, like, you know, you can't see the forest from the trees. Sometimes I'm in the weeds. I'm not even in the trees. Like I can't, yeah. I can't even get up. So how do you use your partnership? How do you, you know, yeah. so we have like a standing leadership meeting where we use it as a moment to take, take a step back and say, how are we doing? What's going on? We've always said we're never going to use all the time. We always go over, but it's having that, that sort of space to talk about it and reflect on what you're doing. Which is, can be really hard to do when you're running 100 mile an hour with your nose an inch off the ground. <laughs> yeah, and then you have other commitments, right? It's a lot of, right? it's a lot of um, discipline, yeah. There are other things that we're also doing, be it you know, involved in, in um, uh, you know, learning out there. There's tons going on in the world, so how do you stay on top of things? Be it in, you know, involved in your community. Obviously, we have friends, we have family and friends, family and friends. Yeah. Um, I always say friends and family. Um, um, and I have a, we have a very cute puppy, so, well, he's not really a puppy, but. I've heard, I've, um, I've heard. That's, yeah, the, that's the rumor. That's the rumor out there. Yeah. As, well, as, well, we, as we have mutual, we have Where mutual, are we now? We, we have mutual yeah. friends, yeah. Um, curious, and I feel like going back maybe to a question I, I, I didn't ask earlier, how much discipline does it require for you as, a, as, a, as an owner, you and your partner, and just as the, as the leadership team, to be really disciplined around the evaluation of not getting stars in your eyes and running the risk of overvaluing or taking too much money now and then having to do a down round later. And I've heard that can be a really um, seductive point to say no sometimes. Um, so I'm going to be honest with you. When you started asking that question, I started getting stressed. <laughs> I started sweating a little and I, I just kind of, my, my brain went somewhere else. So I don't really know what the question is, but I will answer what I think the question is, um, which is, I think it's very easy to get caught up in, in valuations. You know, you read articles, you hear about, you know, this company did a series A, maybe they offered five, 10, 40%. You can do, you come up with some scenarios, then you can kind of guess their valuation. And you're like, oh, wow, I would love to be there. It's really spending time thinking about what are we doing now? How are we getting to, you know, the next level? And what are all the many steps that we can take to get there? And then just focusing on those tasks. And so I think it's really about diligence, 
about being resilient. And I don't want to sound very cliche by saying that, but it's about how do you, when you have the wins, how do you celebrate those wins? But also when you don't have wins, um, how do you talk about them in a win format, which is what did we learn? Um, and being conscious of your energy as you talk about it with your team, because we want to make sure that everyone knows everything. Um, and so it's very easy to get lost in, in numbers and, you know, Excel modeling and, and very aggressive growth projections. Um, but I think if we focus on the basics of understanding what is, you know, what is the needs of our customer, focusing on meeting those needs, the rest will come. I, I, I appreciate that about making sure it's not just about that one thing because that one thing isn't always going to be perfect, right? How much is the and sense I don't of, think that's sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't think that's why we're doing this either. Um, yeah, so well, that was about, my next question about, pur- about purpose, actually. Oh, How much? Yeah, well, per- okay. per- that, well you know what? Cool. We're, 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 we're dialed in. We're dialed in. <laughs> like that sense of purpose, and that's something I wanted to, when I started even putting this podcast together, I'm like, oh, great, it's talking about raising money and investors and all that. But that sense of purpose, especially at the early stage, that when it, it isn't about the money because you haven't got the money, it's maybe not about the product because you haven't figured it out yet, that purpose and how much that drives even the ability to tell the story, but to engage a team, sounds like that's been a big part of it for you guys. Mm. I think I think so. Both Craig and I are are really excited about the ability to do something unique in in this space. You know, when you think about what are the implications of this space and why this space. Look, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Um, both Craig and I have pursued careers with entrepreneurial or intrapreneurial roles where we've done things even in large organizations. Um, you know, Craig spent a bunch of time at Skip. Um, where he helped grow the technology team from 30 to 300. And so he saw the scaling of that, apart from other places, you know, shot locally here in Calgary. And his kids were born and raised in Calgary, actually, too. Um, and so growing up in, in, these, in, these, in, these, in, in this environment and thinking this way has really helped us think about how do we want to create value. And it's not really about, look, if we want to go make a ton of money, like, I can go back to consulting, go into banking, it'll be fine. Um, maybe if they if they were to take me, yeah, um, but the point is is that I think if you're focused on that, being in a startup is very hard because you're always thinking about the wrong goal. I think for us, we're really excited about this space. I you know I've owned my own small portfolio of rental apartments. I've worked in in hospitality and real estate, and so I understand what it, it means to manage assets. Um, when you think of macro factor about why this business is, is meaningful to us, apart from our own experience and just seeing challenges and doing it. Um, and for me, living in different parts of the world, living in different spaces, you understand how a safe home and a great place to live is actually really important. Not to say that you had to do that overseas, but in Canada or not, but and in Canada, about a third of Canada's population lives in rental accommodations. And so a third of people run into this problem. Many people run businesses that are property managers, which are a low margin labor intensive business, right? And so as a property manager, like I would just pray every day that people don't hate me, people pay rent on time and nothing happens on evenings and weekends, you know? Like this is this is the bane of their existence, right? And so for us, it's about achievement and it's about the scale of the impact, um, about the lives that we can engage with and hopefully make easier 
even marginally easier would be helpful. And hopefully that didn't come up, you know, true, altru too altruistic or... Uh, no, I appreciate it. You've but, lived on it. You've been, you've understood the problem from the user's perspective. You know, like, I hope they, like, I hope they pay rent on time. Like, yeah, I, I think that's, what, if you don't get into a rental property, those are the three reasons you would, uh, you would list for not wanting to have a rental property. Oh God, I don't want to fix yeah. the toilet at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night kind of, kind of situ situation. Yeah. So, and, but, and but I, man, I, there's gotta be technology as I have my phone in my right hand that makes this better. I wonder what it could be. Like, so I really do appreciate and like back yeah. to right back to the beginning of the conversation, we're starting to demand a level of, of, of ease and reduce friction in so many aspects of our life. I love how it's creeping into aspects that are maybe slow or that no one just has decided to overturn those stones. So I love that you guys <laughs> were excited enough about the problem to solve it because there's so many solvable problems out there, but someone needs to be excited about to even to delve into it, right? You have to be, so, yeah, you have to be excited about the problem. And it's also knowing the kind of problem you want to solve. Right. Um, I think real estate is is the world I've grown up in is is what I love and yep. what makes sense. Um, I also know that there and both Craig and I know this as well is there are smarter and ta more talented people out there. And so part of our role isn't just to do what we think, but also hear what's going on, hear the feedback, and then awesome. engage it. Well, Al-Karim, I loved our conversation today. I love your passion about what you guys are doing. Really excited to uh, <clears throat> have you on my Where is Where Are They Now episode, which I haven't done any yet, but yes. I think you might be the first one, to really talk about what, you. You know, <laughs> as things are evolving and anything I can do personally to elevate and tell this story in our Calgary ecosystem. I, I love what's happening here, and I always joke, if you don't think there's anything going on in Calgary, it's because you're not paying attention. There are so many cool things going on in the city right now. <laughs> Um, well, Tyler, thank you so much on 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 behalf of Propra just to be able to spend time with you. I cannot believe so much time has flown by as well. Um, so I imagine you're going to have to cut down a lot of this. Um, it's all it's gold. It's really all quality. I don't this. know what you're talking about. We, why yeah. why, why, link, like, why did you cut that out? It was so good. No, they, this is a good old fashioned chat. I believe we've lost the art so often yeah. in our society of just having a conversation. So I am very thrilled that you and I certainly have not lost that ability to just have a good old fashioned 56 minutes and 37 second chat. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So. Well, it was Thank you so much. Hey, what's the um, best way for people to get a hold of you? Don't want to forget that. It's the um, look, uh, you know, my email is alkareem, A-L-K-A-R-I-M at propra.ca. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, info at propra might be easier. Info at propra.ca um, as well. Um, or just pop out to our office in the East Village. Fantastic. Well, I always think now that we can all go for coffees again, isn't that, a, isn't that an amazing concept? We'll go for coffee. Yep. <laughs> Thank yep. you so much for coming on the show and best of luck. And I look forward I to staying in touch. Thank you so much. Likewise. Appreciate it. Take care.